0: Hey everybody. It's Allie and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, April 22nd. I guess I have to start out by talking about the quadrangle. <laughs> Like I guess is the only word for it uh, between Nikki and Jack and Victor and Genevieve quadrangle. Surely there's another name for a four sided uh, <laughs> object, which is exactly what this is. All four of these characters have their own agendas. They have their own needs, and they're just weaving together in such, I think, an interesting way. In in some ways. <laughs> The this quadrangle <laughs> reminds me of back when Jack was dating uh, Sharon and Nick was with Phyllis. It always kind of seemed as if there was a desire, at least by some parties, to be with um, you know the other. It was kind of like a a wife swapy sort of situation, and it kind of reminds me of that in this way, that it seems like um, at least one of the people in each relationship wants to be with someone else in the other relationship. It's madness. But, I mean, each of the relationships, I suppose, are not completely without merit. Nikki and Jack have had a really long history of uh, not only friendship, of course, but they were married once. They lost a child together, and that ruined their relationship the first time around. Victor has always been in between Nikki and Jack and their chance at a relationship. Um, I think as soon as Nikki met Victor, that's where her heart lies. It's where it became, and it's never really left that. So, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's I've spent so much time in my life just believing in Nikki and Victor, and now here Nikki is with Jack, and she seems happy. I, I think she is resolved on some level to the fact that Victor is never going to change, and no matter how much she wants it, it doesn't make it so. And I, even though... I kind of feel like we haven't had as much build-up toward Nikki and Jack as we needed to maybe get more excited about them. On the, At the same time, I still think that <laughs> Nikki laughs more, seems more relaxed, and more genuine with Jack than I've seen her with Victor in ages. She followed him all the way to Las Vegas, and it was it was kind of cute. She bombarded him, rushed him in the elevator, and hit the uh, the emergency stop button, and they got kind of trapped in the elevator together. And <laughs> the security guard ended up coming to the elevator, opening up the door, and making sure that they were all right. And there was this brief moment of feeling caught, feeling like kids again. And Nikki's face in that scene was... It, she had the biggest smile, the most real smile that I think I've seen out of her in a really long time. So, in some ways, I think that Jack is very good for Nikki. And Jack is in this really dark place in his life right now. And Nikki is like a ray of sunshine. She's bringing in positivity and reason and rationality and history as well. She's not someone who he just met off the street. He's known her for a, a incredibly long time. And they've gone through so much together already. So, there does seem to be something there. And I think it also helps that Nikki knew John. John is one of the most important figures in Jack's life. Still, even after his death, Jack is constantly trying to avenge his father. He never has John very far from his thoughts, and Nikki is able to connect with him on that level, because here Jack is considering going through with the sham marriage to Genevieve just to get this business, and Nikki busted out the John card. After trying unsuccessfully to convince him not to marry Genevieve on a number of occasions, all of the other arguments, she, as a last resort, talked about John and said, do you really think that your father would do this? Is this something that your father would do? A man of honor would do to get a company that he wanted? And that just really cut deep into Jack, I believe. And it, it hit him in the right place. And Jack goes off to Genevieve to get ready to marry her. And Jack and Genevieve have this moment in her suite where they're just very honest with each other. Genevieve lets Jack know that she really does love him. After everything that's happened, she never stopped loving him. She loves him in the best way that she knows how. And she was so sweet and so sincere in that moment that Jack realizes that he just can't lie to her. He doesn't want to hurt her the way that she hurt him. And so he backs out of the marriage. She is furious, She tells him to get out! And he does, and it's clearly a a very tumultuous moment. She's hurt and angry and so many things all wrapped into one. And it's, I think, hard not to feel sorry for Genevieve. She's such a tragic character. She had convinced herself that going through with this marriage to Jack was going to help her somehow, that she was going to be able to repair the damage that she had done, and selling him back Beauty of Nature was going to repair the damage that she had done, and it just all fell apart so quickly. Her life is bombed out. It's as if she's had several bombs dropped on her life, and she's just standing there in this smoky wreckage, and I have a hard time not Feeling sorry for her. I realize that she's done some really bad things, but in that moment, I just really connected with her and felt a lot of sympathy. And I think Jack really felt bad about everything that happened between them. However, (laughs) he goes back to his room and hooks up with Nikki. They're having dinner just he tell he just tells her the truth he, he lets her know that he took her advice he decided not to go through with the marriage to Genevieve and <laughs> after dinner Jack got this boyish look on his face <laughs> and he wheeled his way up to Nikki and got himself a kiss first it started out with just a, a kiss next thing you know. Jack and Nikki are in bed doing the nasty. (laughs) It was so unexpected. I think everyone was shocked by that. I'm sure you guys were a little bit shocked by that. I think that maybe Jack was a little surprised. I think Nikki was the most surprised out of all. Who knew Jack's legs don't work, but
1: his important parts do. After Jack
0: backs out of the marriage idea, Genevieve runs almost directly to Victor, which is, again, a repeating pattern in her life. Anything happens, run to Victor. That seems to be what she does now. And not ten minutes ago, she was rejecting his proposal to buy Beauty of Nature. And now here she is showing up on his doorstep with, I think, a bottle of champagne, a really nice dress on, and the deal memo in her hand. And she lets him know in no uncertain terms. She's ready to sell Beauty of Nature to him. And Victor couldn't be more thrilled. He has Beauty of Nature in the palm of his hand exactly where he wants it. And the unfortunate thing for him is he may have Beauty of Nature. But now Jack has Nikki. And it's really Victor's fault. He has made his bed. And now he has to lie on in it. If he hadn't put getting beauty of nature ahead of his relationship with Nikki, his relationship with his daughter, then none of this would have happened. It's, it's all of, of Victor's choice. He makes these choices that lead to him being alone and isolated from the ones he loves and then and then he sits back and he sheds a single tear over it and he really he just he's responsible for his own actions end of story but then <laughs> feeling alone. He had had a previous conversation with Nikki. They bumped into each other in the hall. And it was, once again, another argument between Victor and Nikki, deciding that they really aren't on the same page. They love each other. Yes, that's acknowledged. No one questions that. But they don't work. They can't make it work. And it was just this another uh, one in a series of millions of, of heart-wrenching moments between Victor and Nikki. They go their separate ways, and now Victor's feeling despondent about that. So when Genevieve shows up at his door with the deal memo and a bottle of champagne, Victor's ready to seal the deal with a kiss. <sighs> it was... I, it's so hard for me because Nikki and Jack, I can kind of feel... I can get behind Nikki and Jack a little bit, mostly because there's history there, and they're both good people. But Genevieve and Victor, there just doesn't seem to be anything there. There's no romance. It's purely a relationship of convenience and revenge, and it's harder for me to get into it. So I'm watching... Victor and Genevieve making out, and I'm feeling disgusted. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but it's hard for me to watch. I'm just so not into it. Not to mention ugh, the fact that during their kiss scene, Victor and Genevieve, they lean in for the kiss, and as soon as they pull away, ugh, there was this spit string. <laughs> like a string of spit that was, it It pulled slowly apart from as their lips parted, and it made me, what a vomit. You guys have to go back and watch the scene. What was it? Monday's show? Maybe Tuesday's show? I think Monday's show. But you have to go back and watch it. Just, I mean, on the one hand, because I wasn't feeling it anyway, and then to seal it with slobber? Ew! Ew! I, I, like, whose lips were wet? <laughs> I think it was Victor. I bet you Eric Braden took a big old you know, licked his lips <laughs> right before the scene. I could just see him going in for a big wet kiss and Jeannie Francis was probably like <laughs> I can't imagine her doing that. I mean, having you know, as an actor, as a working actor, going in for a kissing scene with wet lips that is totally unprofessional <laughs> saying that I think Eric Brayden is unprofessional by any means. It's just that I can see him doing it. He wasn't thinking about it, probably. And it it resulted in a spit string that was disgusting. And uh, then they proceeded to work their way into the bed, and I felt nothing. Victor got up and made some phone calls or sat on the couch or something afterwards, and Genevieve was just left lying in bed alone. And I think that that said it all right there. He got what he wanted out of her. And then just tossed her, left her in the bed, got out of the bed and went about his business. She was a, a, a truck stop on the road of life for him. If they continue to pursue a relationship, which they may, I don't think it's ever going to develop into a, a romance. There was another scene later in the week where they were in his office and she left him at the end of the day, sitting alone on the couch... It wasn't as if she was there to comfort him or he needed the comforting. He got what he wanted from her, and now it's just going to be a matter of time until he screws her over. Genevieve doesn't have any idea what she's gotten herself into. If she wanted to sell the company, she should have just sold the company. She didn't need to be involved in it still. As a term of the deal, Victor paid her the money, but in addition has allowed her to, oh, this makes me so mad, become the head of the cosmetics division of Newman Enterprises. So Genevieve is now in charge of not only Beauty of Nature under the Newman umbrella, but under the new cosmetics line that Nick and Sharon are working on. And I am so furious, With Victor for making that happen for making that choice because Nick and Sharon were doing such an awesome job they had this autonomy they were really making it work and now Victor brings in Genevieve to have Nick and Sharon answering to her she's their boss Genevieve is a total novice she knows nothing about the industry. I'm not saying that she's a stupid person. She's not. But she doesn't have any practical experience to now start running this firm. This major firm. And it's such a slap in the face. Especially to Nick. Nick has been working at Newman. He knows the business inside and out. Even Victoria. Victor could have offered Victoria a place at the company. Instead, now that beauty of nature is back at newman victoria just assumes that she's been fired and i assume she is she's just no longer working at beauty of nature well that was a great two weeks thanks a lot i guess i'll just go back to being a mommy what what why victor why must you do that and it's a t- it's completely a um, oh what do you call it? It's just it's a it's a shell. It's a she's she's like a the queen. She doesn't have any real power. She's just sort of a figurehead in a way. And but but Genevieve is not going to accept that. She's going to try to push in her opinion. She's going to try to get in her ideas. And I think Victor threw the position to her as a bone, but she's not going to accept that. And it's not going to be very long before it's major headbutting and before who knows. Victor could probably fight turn around and fire her at any given moment. I just worry that Genevieve does not know what she's getting herself into. She thinks Colin was bad? Dealing with Victor is going to be ten times worse. You just wait. On the blessed event of little John Abbott's birth, Billy and Victoria's brand new son, they decide to throw a party. Kind of a baby shower, welcome home, little family get-together. It's supposed to be all about baby. All about Billy and Victoria's happiness. And Nikki and Jack and Victor and Genevieve bring all of their, like, sludge... (laughs) (laughs) all of their horrible emotional sludge to the party and throw it around. And it was so disrespectful. Nikki and Jack actually had the right idea. They had slept together, they got back from Vegas, and they realized they had to go to this party and discussed that they weren't going to mention anything about their relationship. They were going to go on as if they didn't know each other because they wanted the focus to be on the new mommy and daddy. And (laughs) it was really, I think, kind of cute that Jack arrived first, I think. Or no, Nikki arrived first and was holding the baby. And then Jack wheeled his way on in the, the door. And they said this very cordial hello as if they didn't just totally get get down <laughs> on each other. It was very cute. I enjoyed that. Um, it's just it was cute that they were pretending that they didn't sleep together at the party. But then, Victor shows up with Genevieve on his arm. How rude, anyway, of him to invite Genevieve to go with him. Victor wasn't even invited to the party! I think Nick mentioned it to Victor just in passing that he was going over to Victoria's house and Victor assumed that that was an open invitation for him, too! He, I think in his mind he wanted to make the announcement about Beauty of Nature and his big coup while um, everybody was in one place, but still, couldn't be more inappropriate, and there is such an obvious revenge element to everything that's going on between Victor and Genevieve and Nikki and Jack. I hate to say it because I I don't want Jack to get hurt. I think Jack is getting over Genevieve and... I, I just, I think he is really starting to love Nikki, and it, it makes me worried that because I don't know that Nikki is in exactly the same place. I think that it feels a little bit like Jack is a runner-up, and I, I want more for him. I want more for him than getting Victor's leftovers, or getting Newman leftovers. It was the same thing with Sharon. He got Sharon leftover from Nick, and Jack deserves so much better, which, by the way, is why I really liked having Emily on the show. I thought she was one of like, she was a really great character It was the same with Phyllis. He he got Nick's throwaways with Phyllis, too. Although I think that was before. She was with Jack. Well, they kind of went back to each other a couple times in there. But Jack deserves someone fresh, and I'm afraid he's not getting that. And it's so clear to me on so many levels that it is about making Victor jealous for Nikki. Because, look, you can't deny... Nikki and Jack had the conversation that they weren't going to reveal their relationship at the party. And the second that Victor walked in the door with Genevieve and intimated that they were in a relationship, Nikki said something as if we're not interested in your romantic lives, Victor. We have our own to 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 think about. And she puts her hand on Jack's shoulder implying that, that they were in a relationship, too. So she goes and throws discretion completely out the window. And it's so obvious to me that in that move, it was about Victor. And how can Jack not feel that? How can he not see that? That was that made me sad for Jack. And <sighs> I, I, I almost could get into a Nikki and Jack relationship. I almost could. Because, on for one thing, I'm very... I'm very getting tired of Victor and Nikki. I just, I can't let myself go there again. I would love to, but I can't let myself go there again because I know my heart's just going to be broken. But Victor and Genevieve, they're just twisted together. They just, it just seems twisted. And I I don't know. I just don't think I can get into that. What do you guys think? Do you feel Victor and, and Genevieve on any level? I just don't know. Victor's such a jerk. How could he pick the party, his the birth of his grandson, to announce this news about beauty of nature? Couldn't he think of anything more inappropriate, really? Well, later, after the party, Nikki goes to the ranch to go pick up her things. And Victor, for some reason, seemed surprised that she was actually leaving. It, Nikki says to him, in, in a very clear way, that she's not going to be in their relationship anymore, and he I think he doesn't hear it. I really think he doesn't expect her to actually leave him, because at the same time, I'm sure he can see that it's all about revenge. Because later that night, this is ridiculous, Nikki goes back to the ranch to ride her horse, and I love you, Nikki. I love you. I'm sure that you love riding horses, but you could not tell me. You, It would be impossible to convince me that she was not hoping to run into Victor. She probably parked her car in a very obvious place so that Victor would know she was there, and he did. She was there hoping to run into Victor, and as soon as Victor saw that her car was on the property, he sent someone out to find out where exactly she was, and he went running after her. They know exactly what they're doing. This is what they do. They had this little argument in the stable, and... (laughs) Nikki says to him, just, I'm going to just go out and ride. Just leave me alone. I'll be on the south side of the property by the pond and you just stay away from there. And Victor grabs her by the arm, which at first I thought, oh my goodness, he was kind of aggressive. He grabbed her by the arm as she was leaving and whips her back and says, it's my property. I'll ride wherever I want. And then it was implied, we didn't see this, of course, but it was implied that he kind of chased her. Out on horseback. Nikki's out riding her horse. And Victor, just to be a jerk, is probably on a black horse. I imagine Nikki on her blue smoke, uh, smoky blue horse, and Victor in his black jet black horse just galloping behind her. does something where he grazes her a little bit. I I see a little bit of of horseplay (laughs) happening in my mind, and it's sort of sexual aggression happening, uh, and, and Nikki ended up falling off of her horse. I wish they would have done... I wish there was some way we could have seen that. It was evening time. It just seems like a cool scene. I like the idea of Nikki and Victor having horseplay at at, at dusk on the ranch. In my mind, that is so amazing. But anyway, Nikki falls off of her horse and hurts herself. And of course, Victor has to... Ch- he, he, he follows her back into the stables where she's limping around and he gets out the first aid kit, and he nurses her little ankle back to health. And it was yet another reminder that there is tenderness between them. There's tenderness from Victor. It's not all bad. And there's just been so many good points that have been made this week by both. It's the same argument constantly taking place between Victor and Nikki. Nothing really ever changes. It's as if Nikki is shouting into the wind All of her concerns. Victor never listens to it. But at the same time, I feel like Victor has made a pretty good argument too in that she's trying to make him into something that he's not. He mentioned that in Vegas. He said, stop trying to make me into something that I'm not because that is what she's doing. If, If you love Victor, then you need to love Victor. Not what he could or should be. Because he's never going to be that. He's always going to be Victor. How many times do you have to learn that lesson before it starts to sink in? And I hate to say that, but it's true. And I think that Victor has a lot of flaws. A lot of flaws. But I do think that he does love his family. And I do think that he tries to help them. He does what he needs to to do. If there's a problem, Victor fixes it. That's pretty much what he was saying to her in the stables. When there's a problem, I'm fixing it. I'm a fixer. That's what I do. Next week, I think we're gonna see Nick coming to Victor for some help about Lucy's custody case. Everybody comes to Victor when they need something but then complains about when he does something on his own. I just, I, I understand and completely empathize with Nikki and everyone else's argument about Victor, but at the same time, you can't take the good and not have the bad. You really, you have to, with Victor, you have to take the whole package. No one complains when Victor fixes something and it's good. So I know I spend a lot of time sometimes defending Victor. And last week, I spent, a, and for throughout this past several weeks, I know that I have spent some time being down on Billy. And I want to try to open myself up to Billy. I really do. Because I've been asking myself, what makes Victor any different from Billy? Or Adam, for that matter. But, you know, there's all this talk from Victor about what how Billy isn't good enough for his daughter, and he makes all these bad decisions and all that, but Victor does too. He has a laundry list that is, is my goodness, as long as the day, and Adam has done so many bad things, yet I forgive Adam, and so I just wanted to think a little bit out loud about what it is that it makes us like or dislike a character. What what are the things that factor into whether or not we like someone? Because all things being equal, Billy is no worse of a character than Victor or Adam or anyone else. They've all done bad things. So, what is it that affects how we feel about a character? And I think it's some things like time Like, the length of time that they've been on the show, because I can say for certain that part of the reason I have the soft spot for Victor is because he's always been there. Victor's always been on the show. He is a constant. I've never watched the show a day that he wasn't on. He is, has been always on since the first day I started watching, and he's someone who feels like the patriarch of the entire show. So and 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 I guess that's another thing that plays into it, our own personal relationships and our own personal feelings because to me Victor is sort of a father figure. He's probably at about that age that he could be my father and so I feel a little bit, you know, sensitive to him. Also my dad has a mustache. <laughs> So I guess that's why I tend to want to defend him. And, you know, someone like Billy, there are qualities about Bi- Billy such as irresponsibility that I've had experience with in my own life that I don't like. And I have kind of try to distance myself from people who I feel are irresponsible. And so it's it's not necessarily that Billy is better or worse. It's just that I have my own preconceived things that go into it. And, you know, there's also, like I said last week, attractiveness. I am not that attracted to Billy whereas someone like Adam has done so many bad things that at the end of the day I find him hot <laughs> and am therefore compelled to forgive him so there's just so many factors that go in to whether or not we like a character and it's completely personal it's just based on how you're viewing things and how you know what's has gone on in your life and who you are and you know no no character is any better or worse than any than any other um, at this point. They all have sins and sins. sins. <laughs> but it's, you know, at least someone like Billy seems to realize what he's done and asks for forgiveness and tries to be better. Victor is just Victor Newman, and it's not going to ever be any other way. Billy at least tries to atone for the things that he's done. So I will give them credit for that. And I was definitely down on Billy and Victoria last week, and I still stand by how I feel that they treated Chelsea. But at the same time, I am really, really glad that they did the right thing by Adam. Adam saved their child's life. And at first... They didn't believe it. it you know, it, it completely reinforced why Adam didn't want anyone to know that he had saved Chelsea and the baby in the first place. Because as soon as everyone found out, they didn't believe it. It it, it reinforced this idea that it's impossible for Adam to do anything good, and that hurts. That would hurt, especially if you were trying to get onto the right path. But I will give props to Victoria and Billy for realizing that Adam did this wonderful thing for their family and they apologized to him, straight up called him up, apologized to him, thanked him, said they would be forever grateful for what he did. And on top of that, invited him to come to the hospital to hold the baby. I was so, so happy with that. (sighs) Seeing Adam hold the baby was just, it was, I, I got chills. I really did. When that scene happened, because I just think it would be so wonderful if Adam were a father. I wish Sharon would have gotten pregnant. She's that would have been good. One last, one last baby would have been good for Sharon. But oh, I just I don't know. I really, really appreciated that, and I feel that maybe people are starting to see, maybe people are starting to trust Adam a little bit more. Don't get me wrong. I like the bad boy. I still like Adam as as a bad boy. But I, I, you know, I'm glad that people are maybe starting to accept him a little bit more. And I'm also so glad that Sharon caught wind that Adam had done this for Chelsea. And she actually went to the hospital to visit Chelsea and ask her if it was true. Oh, that was so, so awesome. And it was so, so transparent. I felt last week as if Sharon was closed off to Adam, as if she just flipped the switch and just wasn't going to think about it. Like, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm going to go on with my life. Forget about Adam. And it started to peek through again this week with just by the fact that she went to visit Chelsea, that she was that concerned about whether or not he had Actually, turned over a new leaf. It said everything. Like, Sharon, <laughs> I think, really wants to believe that Adam has changed and really was looking for Chelsea to confirm that. I think Chelsea saw it. I think Adam saw it. I think the only one who wasn't completely aware of herself was Sharon. Frankly, Sharon wants to believe, wants to know that Adam has changed so that she can run right back to him. Adam can just move right over because Genoa City has a new baby napper. Ah, Oh my gosh, you guys. Ricky, is this guy not the most exciting new character on the show? I am so compelled by him. Wow. Adam, it's so... Ironic, too, that just as Adam is finally being redeemed for his mistakes of the past with Faith and Ashley and Sharon, now we have this new element, this new character, Ricky, (laughs) baby-napping. Oh, my goodness. Not only that, but (laughs) Ricky, my goodness. There was this talk around Restless Style about whether or not they were going to run the story about Chelsea and how she fell through the leg and Adam saved her and blah, blah, blah. And Billy was vehemently against it because it's a story about his family and his son. But Phyllis believed that it was a story, a good story. And Ricky was aware of all of this. And that little jerk <laughs> leaked the story to a competing magazine because they wouldn't run in it at Restless Style. And there was this brief moment where Phyllis thought he was the leak, fired him, set him packing, and then ran into the reporter for the competing reporter who ran the story and was confirmed. The reporter said, oh no, the source was uh, an orderly at the hospital and that's where I got my information. And So Phyllis calls Ricky, hires him back and then later we see this scene between Ricky and the reporter talking about how they just cooked that up. (laughs) Not only that, but then Ricky leans in and gives her a hot not wet kiss. This guy, he is slick. He is slick in the in the in a bad way, but in the right way. I'm so so into this. I hope that you guys are into it too. How do you feel about Ricky? Are you feeling it? Cuz to me, it is so interesting. I am glued to the screen when he is on. It is just so cool. It's just so cool. I and I don't know, like I can't believe I'm rooting for the evil character, but I just am. He's so bad, and he's extra bad when you add Daisy into the picture. I really like him and Daisy. I think they make a a couple from hell, and I really want to see more of it. But this trial uh, for Daniel's restoring full custody for Daniel is coming up right around the corner, and Daniel's so stable, and he's got so many great lawyers and family members on his side, and Daisy's just this, you know convict who really doesn't have a whole lot of resources. She feels outnumbered. She feels like she's going to lose custody of her daughter. And she really loves and cares for her daughter, I believe. And so she enlists Ricky's help to do something. She doesn't know what, but do something to help her case. And Ricky comes up with this plan, completely motivated, by the way, by wanting to get back at Phyllis. He sets up a scenario at the, where Daniel's at the coffee house with Lucy during his custody time. Ricky sets up some guy to create a distraction where a bunch of sugar, glass, sugar containers crash onto the floor. And everybody's like, oh, glass on the floor. And while that's happening, he walks right in, grabs Lucy, walks away, goes out to the car and sits with her for like 10 minutes. And everybody is like, where's Lucy? Where's Lucy? And Daniel feels horrible. The police come. Michael and Avery are there. Phyllis is getting late at the time and has to put on her dress. She's like this close from getting it on with Nick. She has to put her dress back on and run out to the coffee house to try to find out what happened to Lucy. She was crushed all the time. Ricky's sitting out in the car with the child, just trying to make it look like Daniel wasn't paying attention. (sighs) He eventually brought the kid back in, and everybody was like, you're a hero, you're a hero, but Phyllis saw right through it. She knew immediately that this guy is bad news, and that it wasn't no coincidence the night before this trial is starting, getting, setting to happen, that this happens, that this incident occurs. So, mm. Phyllis versus Ricky is going to be really, really good. I want to see them go head-to-head. They are perfectly matched. I think that's going to be really, really good. And, you know, the good news about all of this is that even though it's a bad thing that happened, it seemed to have kind of kicked in Daniel's fatherly instinct. He's been feeling, um... You know, he's been feeling not sure about being a father. He hasn't felt like he has that fatherly instinct, and this incident with Lucy being missing for 10 minutes seems to have really sparked Daniel's fatherly instinct. Again, he was worried about his child, and he wanted to find her, and now I think that's helped resolve him even more toward getting her back. But it's going to be a challenge because they're going to bring up this incident in court next week. I'm sure it will happen. And it's not going to look good, which I think really sucks. I think using this incident against Daniel is complete bull. Nobody's a perfect parent. Anyone could turn their back and the kid could crawl away. Anyone could turn their back and someone could nab him. That doesn't make him a bad parent. (laughs) You know, I think that you can't be hovering over your child 24-7. You can't prevent everything from happening to them. If, if the, you know, if something like this happened, if they were taking kids away based on incidents, small incidents, nobody would have their kids. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think that it's just bull that they're going to use this against them. And I don't know if it's even going to work in Daisy's favor or not. I think it's really up in the air. I am thinking that Daniel won't get custody just cuz that'll continue to make it interesting, but uh I don't know, we'll have to see. I have to admit to you guys that I I really like Ricky and Daisy and I I I is it bad that I'm rooting for the villains? Michael and Avery are happening. <laughs> Whether I like it or not, Michael and Avery are happening. They're becoming very, very friendly. I would love it if it was just friends, because it's cute. Their scenes together are very cute. They're uh, drinking and complaining, and they're they just drowning their sorrows and confiding in each other. Michael's got problems with Lauren, and Avery's got problems with Phyllis. And it's nice that they're able to talk, but I'm going to be so disappointed in Michael. If he cheats on Lauren! Michael is not a cheater, and him and Lauren have a really wonderful relationship. And <laughs> I don't want to see anything happen to it. It's if the Michael and Avery thing to me feels like watching something that you don't want to happen in slow motion. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe you guys are fans. Would you like to see Michael and Avery together in a romantic relationship? You'll have to let me know what you think about that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm alone here, but uh, I like my Michael and Lauren. And in a way, it's kind of ironic because Avery set this whole chain of events in Michael's life into motion. If she hadn't gotten Daisy out of jail, none of this would have happened between Michael and Lauren. Daisy is really the reason that they're having problems in their relationship, and Avery is the one that got her out of jail. Ugh. So I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm really curious. Um let's see. Now Avery is also having problems her problems with Phyllis and I think that talking with Michael, who's Phyllis's best friend, was really helping her through that. But I I kind of I kind of want Phyllis and Avery to work it out. I I, I don't know. I think that there were some really interesting character-building scenes between Avery and Phyllis this week. Avery found out that Phyllis had thrown away that Black Beauty book that the father had left her, and Avery just... It hurts her to think that Phyllis is just throwing away their family. That was what Avery saw out of that. That Phyllis just doesn't care. She doesn't want to think about her past. And that hurts Avery because she wants to hold on to her past. She loves her family. And Phyllis had this scene with Nick where they were talking through that relationship. And Nick said, how would you honestly feel if Avery just went away and she wasn't in your life anymore? And Phyllis answered very honestly I would feel relieved. So it's really sad. Avery wants to be close with Phyllis, and Phyllis doesn't want the memories. And it's just a, a really, a, quite a conflict of interest. And I don't know quite where it's headed. Do you guys have any ideas? I don't know if Avery's going to be staying on the show. I don't know if they're going to continue to have conflict. Maybe if Daniel doesn't get custody of Lucy. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I I don't know. I, I kind of think that Phyllis and Avery are better as friends than as enemies, Now that Genevieve has sold Beauty of Nature to Victor, Tucker is pissed. He's not happy about it at all. And I don't think he's going to let it go. (laughs) I think he's got revenge on his brain. And there is some question, I think, as to whether or not the sale will be declared valid. Tucker has said to Sophia that he believes... It's not over yet. And Victor had a conversation with Michael... At the very, very tail end of the week, he's reviewing the contract or the deal memo or whatever, uh, the bill of sale, I guess, between he and Genevieve, and it seems that there's a question as to whether or not Genevieve bought the question, or bought the question, bought the the company legally. Because did she acquire her money legally? She got it from Colin, and Colin was a mob guy, so if she got the money illegally, then She probably didn't own the company legally in the first place. So there is still the outstanding element as to whether or not Victor will be able to keep Beauty of Nature. I'm sure Jack's lawsuit is still standing. He will probably continue to sue to declare the original sale invalid. And Victor asked Michael to put in a phone call to his dude at the SEC to try to make sure that this issue isn't... Uh, rev- reviewed, but at the same time, we know Tucker has people on the inn at the SEC, so I have a feeling that that's the direction it's going to go. I kind of wonder if Tucker's going to end up with Beauty of Nature in, in the long haul. I mean, we also know that he's involved with Lauren somehow. They have a business deal. They shook hands a couple of weeks ago, so that is going to factor in there somewhere. I kind of wonder if Tucker's going to end up with the... With the company in the long run. But, in the meantime, Sophia is really, really getting tired of keeping up appearances. It's this this whole thing, pretending to be on the outs so that she can be a spy. It's just really wearing thin on her. It's causing her to have to lie to Neil. And it just keeps getting worse. Every time there's a, a fake run-in between Tucker and Sophia... Neil is defending her, and it just makes it look more and more worse. Neil, Neil is believing is gonna believe that he's stuck up for her for nothing, for no reason, and it's really, it's really unfortunate for her that things are just not going to work out. Because eventually this week, she had to tell him the truth. Neil came up with a job offer for her. Here he thinks his wife has been fired and is on the outs with their child's godfather. Neil doesn't want to see her suffering, so he offers her a job at Chancellor, and she just breaks down and says, I can't do this anymore, I have to tell you the truth. It's all a ruse. This is some, you know, This is the kind of thing I used to do all the time. But now that I have a child and a husband, it's a different story, and I'm really sorry, I feel horrible. But Neil was really, really not happy about it. He felt lied to as well he should. And <laughs> very unfortunately, for Sophia, this whole thing just pushed him right into Harmony's arms. It was interesting because right after Sophia told him the truth, Harmony showed up at the coffee house and they had this little talk between them and without giving any of the details, Neil told her, told Harmony, that he was having trouble reconciling the fact that someone in his life had lied to him, and Harmony really tried to preach forgiveness. She really tried to tell him to forgive the person, not knowing that it was Sophia. So we know that Harmony's not trying to break Neil and Sophia up. She's done a really good job of, of staying away from them and putting her feelings to the side, and it, This week just came to a boil. No one was able to hide their feelings anymore. Lily and Kane stop by the coffee house where Harmony and Neil are having a drink and they decide they're all going to go to Devon's studio to listen to Angelina's new song. So it's all four of them in the studio alone and they just start having fun. They go into the recording booth and they start singing karaoke to all of Angelina's songs and first it's just Harmony singing real bad and then Neil comes in and they're doing this really terrible duet. It's so cute the way they're looking at each other. And then Kane comes in and does this (laughs) metal version (laughs) of what Angelina's songs. It was so funny. I loved Kane this week. At the recording studio, he was really, really fun. Like, that guy is, he's hot and he has a personality. Wow. (laughs) Those two things are so rare. He's like a rare, sexy, tight Firm. Huge biceps, by the way. I was really noticing Kane's biceps, by the way, this week. Gem. That's what he is. (laughs) He's the sexiest gem I've ever seen. And uh, he was really funny this week. But then, they all four come out into the main part of the, uh, the studio, and Lily and Kane start dancing, slow dancing, and having fun. And it's kind of an awkward moment between Neil and Harmony, until Lily and Kane... Leave. They step right outside of the uh, the studio and Lily has this moment where she says to Kane, "Did you notice the spark between my dad and Harmony? It's there. even Lily saw it. And I was surprised a little bit because she seemed unapproving. She seemed like she was like, I hope this doesn't turn into anything. And I, I can see her point, but she also s- said very well out loud, he's married to Sophia, but it's not like a love relationship. It's kind of a marriage of convenience. We felt it at the wedding. Even their wedding ceremony had no love in it whatsoever. There's been no love between Neil and Sophia since... Pfft, what, a couple weeks after they slept together? It's just, it's a a bad situation between them. And I think that now that Sophia has lied to him, he's reaching for something. Harmony's been in a state of trying to reach for something for some time now. So it's kind of was destined to happen. And Lily totally picked up on it. And I was glad for that. And they ended up leaving the studio and leaving Neil and Harmony alone. It was so obvious and cute. Harmony. (laughs) She goes and puts on a slow song on purpose. I'm sorry. They both knew it. They both knew that there was something between them, especially since the day that they were at the a hospital together and they were in the chapel and they touched arms or touched hands. I guess that was last week or the week before. Uh, but they knew something was there. They knew they were having fun dancing and singing karaoke. Harmony puts on a slow song so on purpose and they start to dance and it's so soft and so sensual and so cool. I was so happy <laughs> to see them finally touching and being intimate together. I honestly could have waited Another couple weeks to see this hit its peak. But, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Y&R giveth and I accepteth. (laughs) Neil and Harmony start to dance and then come together for one soft, passionate kiss. (laughs) Which they kissed a little bit and then pulled out of it and looked at each other like, are we really doing this? And then it was just as almost as if they both were like, Yes. And then they went back into the kiss. More kissing and more dancing. It was grand. I was so, so pleased. I can't even remember the last time I did this, but I was clapping at my screen. I was, round of applause! It was so wonderful. I am sure that you guys all feel that way as well, so let's just, let's hear it. Let's have a round of applause for Neil and Harmony finally, finally hooking up. Okay, my podcast friends, that is just about going to do it for me for this week. It's been, I think, a really exciting week, and there's a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to in the coming weeks as well. There's just been little hints of the the gala coming up. There's a uh, Catherine who has decided that she is going to step down as the chairman of the gala, the yearly gala. What is it, for art? It was like an art gala? I can't remember what the cause is. (laughs) But Catherine has decided to appoint Abby and Chloe as the co-chairs of the committee. So it's up to them to organize this year's event. And Abby and Chloe are... They're in some ways so alike, but in other ways so different. But both of them love to be in charge. They need to be in control. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be priceless to see Abby and Chloe going head to head. Oh, oh, the things they will argue about. It will be fabulous. (laughs) I hope we get to see a lot of that. I want to see details. I want to see them arguing about, I don't know, tablecloths. (laughs) And, you know, it's going to culminate in a really cool event. I always look forward to the yearly gala. I don't think we actually do it yearly, do we? I I can't remember. It seems like sometimes they skip a year. But this year they've... Or I don't think they... I don't know. Did they do it last year? Whatever. This year's going to be excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I always love seeing the fashion, what everybody's wearing. And there's always drama when the entire cast is together. (laughs) So... It should be really good. There's a lot to look forward to. So, um why don't we listen to uh why oh well, yeah, I got a voicemail to drop on you guys. It's really really good. You're going to like it. So, um let me drop it in right here. Let's take a listen. Here we go.
2: Hi Ellie, this is Betsy. Um I know I haven't called in a really long time. I've been super busy. Um, But anyway, I wanted to make a couple of comments, because you're right, this was a past um, week of very juicy storylines. Let me start with Billy and Victoria. You are wrong, Ellie, wrong, wrong, wrong. Billy is not a grew up he just has had a couple of problems and he always gets shined in a bad light and you know the reason why he left and went to Myanmar is because he felt so guilty if he hadn't been drugged if he hadn't been um seduced and all that by Chelsea he probably would have come back home after you know a couple of days people have wig outs every once in a while and I think Billy deserved his and um he wasn't abandoning his child if you remember that was when um Chloe had gone a little nutso and had decided that um, Billy wasn't allowed to see his daughter ever. So he thought that he was completely out of his daughter's life anyway. So let's not forget that. Okay. Let's go to Adam. I love Adam too. I love the bad boy. But um, I don't blame Victoria one second for not trusting him around her kid. Give me a break. He stole Sharon's baby. Anybody who is a mother would not be trusting of some person who sto- actually could steal someone's baby. That's just crazy craziness. Victoria, if she acted any other way would be totally abnormal. Um we'll see how she reacts um today's episode when she, you know, after she learns the truth, but I don't blame her one bit for not trusting Adam. Um Nikki, okay, I'm with you on that. Nikki is just annoying. She always is just so snippy at Victor, and then she loves him, and she's, oh, let me go run off and talk about him behind his back to Victoria or Jack or whoever. I don't know. She's so two-faced with him. It's like just, okay, either you want to be with Victor or you don't. You've been with him long enough to realize that he's just a jerk, and he's going to do jerky things, and you either take it or leave it, um, but... um yeah. A couple of things that I want to mention about Nikki is She keeps saying, why doesn't he just get out of town? Or why doesn't she just get out of town? Which I think is so funny because it's like, okay, if somebody gets out of town Then they're not in their lives anymore, like completely Like there's no such thing as the internet or email It's just when somebody's in town that it's such a bad thing And then lastly, I just want to come on the fact that, oh my gosh I would hate to be a pregnant woman in Genoa City Because you can never just give birth to your baby at the hospital Uh-uh You either give birth to your baby um, at a freaking cabin, like close did and uh, Chelsea, or, you know, some horrible thing happens, um, if you do manage to get to do it in the hospital, like w- what happened with, um, what's her the twins, the surrogate born twins, Lily's twins, um, something bad always happens, it's never just easy um, for somebody to give birth, yeah, um, Sharon didn't give birth in the hospital, like who was the last person who had a normal birth in the hospital? Phyllis had to give birth in an elevator um, when she had Summer Um, Daisy had to give birth in the car when she had Lucy it just never happens normally in a hospital Um, and if you can tell me the last person who gave birth in the hospital um, please let me know it might even send more I don't know anyway um, that's all I have hope that um, you're doing well and I keep enjoying the podcast I keep listening even though I haven't been commenting so thank you for doing this bye bye first of all I
0: love you you are awesome I love your comments and I love that you're not afraid to put me in my place I have a question for you though Betsy you I, I I love that you're defending Billy because you're helping to keep me balanced give me a balanced point of view but I suspect that somewhere in the back of your mind you're attracted to Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be why you're defending him. Just a theory. I'm Dr. Freud in that way, I guess. But um, no, you are right, and I'm trying to bring myself to forgive Billy. Like I said, he's not any different than any of the other characters. Um, oh my gosh, what else? You know, we're on. We're, I'm completely on the same page with you about Nikki, and you're probably right too that. Victoria was correct to not um, let Adam around the baby. I know. Again, I am colored by my attraction for him. There's just no two ways about it. I think okay, really, also funny and awesome point about the people in Genoa City giving birth um, <laughs> everywhere outside of the hospital. I guess it's because there's no drama um, when it's uh, not when it's in the hospital. Hospital birth is so not, I guess, daytime worthy. But uh, hey, having a baby in the middle of a field. <laughs> that's drama i uh i think i guess the maybe somebody else would probably know better but i think the last baby to be born in a hospital would have to be moses maybe i think sophia gave birth in the in the hospital i think but then again everything around sophia is kind of boring (laughs) so maybe that was fitting oh my gosh I love that comment. That was so, so good. You just made my day. You made my week. that feels so good to get somebody else's perspective. Anybody else can feel free to chime in as well. Um, Like like I said, you don't have to agree with me. That's like an example of a perfect comment. It helps me think of things in a different way, and you can disagree without... um, you know, you can politely and have and friendly disagree. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I don't want to talk just to people who share my point of view. I mean, especially if you see things differently, you should give me a call and let me know. Um, here's how you can contact me and give me your feedback. The first and easiest way is the telephone number. You can give me a call. It's just a voicemail. And the number is area code 309-588-4569. That's country code 1 if you're outside of the U.S. Uh, 309-588-4569 to leave me a voice comment. I I guess judging from, uh, I guess there might be like a... Two minute and forty second max is my guess on the voicemail. So if um, if you have a long comment, you can call you know twice and, and leave it. But I think it, it must cut off after a certain point, and it looks to me to be about two minutes and forty seconds. But uh, yeah, just call and break it into two, and I'll edit it together. And if you if you want if you want me to include your message in the podcast, and it's awesome, I will definitely do that. So that's a good way to contact me and give me your feedback. Is uh via voicemail or you can always go to my blog at yrchatblog.blogspot.com or you can just send me an email to yrchat@live.com either way you should definitely find a way to contact me because that was such a treat betsy that was such a treat <laughs> so eloquent i love it gosh why are our viewers are more intelligent that's my theory <laughs> clearly we're more intelligent than the average bear right (laughs) well that has made my day you guys always make my day anytime i hear from you it makes me happy and every day i watch the show it makes me happy i love it so much i love you and i better get going or i'll just blab on forever i hope you guys have an awesome week and i will talk to you next time okay bye